1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 323 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Steve Forney, and as always, joined by Mark Allred, the man who is everything black and gold here at the uh, Black and Gold Productions, LLC. Mark, pleasure to have you on board. Uh, what's uh, what's new? What's going on? How you been?
0: I've been doing okay. Tough week this week, my man. Um, a lot of things going on, obviously, with the Bruins, but um you know you've got to put hockey aside when it comes to family Uh, my dad was a a little bit of an emergency uh on Monday I so I had to go to his house and assess the situation and then then I called 911 because I was a little worried about my my uh my best friend my dad and so on so um he uh, went to the hospital he's been in there for a couple days got out on Thursday which is exciting news for me and my family and I just want to you know happy thoughts to my to my dad and Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, just want to see him get better. So, But um, that was a pretty scary week. But uh, other than that, you know, to get away from all the monotony that's going on in the world and in the family, it's good to have the Boston Bruins around and, you know, kind of shelter those uh, those uh, tough days. Um, but um, no, it's exciting. Uh, there's a lot of things that we got to talk about.
1: Uh, good to have you back, sir. Hopefully you're feeling better. Well, the problem is, is not really, I still sound like absolute ass. And I, I don't know why, uh, I've been to three doctors and I have no voice, which as a, an announcer is, I mean, I'd rather them chop off my foot. I need that less than I need my actual voice for my career. So I sound terrible. So I'm sorry to all the listeners out there. Thanks for putting up with me for the next, uh, hour and change. But yes, <laughs> yes, folks, I've tried the, uh, tea. I've tried tea with honey. I've tried tea with gin I've tried uh, every single over-the-counter and under-the-counter and beside-the-counter thing that they offer, four different kinds of cough drops. Um, I don't know what the deal is, but you're going to just have to kind of bear with me here, and hopefully we can, uh, we can get through it relatively painlessly. Um, our Bruins are on a 6-6 six, six game-winning streak, 10 games to go, so we have tons to talk about today. Um, obviously, things getting a little weird in Tampa over the weekend, so we'll touch on that as well. Uh, but first, Mark, we have some uh, some some kind of good news here uh, out of our own Black and Gold family. Can you fill us in?
0: Yeah, um, Chris Nosek, who used to work with the uh, the BNG Productions a while back, is uh, is coming back to BNG. He's uh, leaving the uh, the tremendous JDF Sports uh, Network over there, where he's been doing live streams and a lot of Boston Bruins hockey talk on that particular platform. Uh, but he uh, obviously wants to move on. And uh, we want to grow our family in in the live streaming uh, way, uh, and I think Chris is a fantastic ad because he's a pretty much a natural at it, um, and he's been doing it for a while. So uh, tomorrow night at seven o'clock, this is this is being recorded on Sunday, so Monday, uh, April twenty seventh. Um, I mean March twenty seventh. Sorry. Um, he will be starting so which is tomorrow night and i believe that mike sullivan is going to be joining him i'm not sure who else is on the panel but i might uh, also join them to uh, you know officially kick everything off and and talk some bees with those guys but uh, i just there's a lot of people that reached out and want us to do more live streams because they love the interaction you know you could talk on the live chat give us questions and have a good time I mean, sometimes we do up to four hours of these live streams and and it's going to be sponsored by FanDuel. So that's an exciting thing that we're, we're also moving forward on. But I, I think Chris is a great guy and he's got a lot of knowledge. And, and I just think that we're going to be moving our company into uh, we're trying to get all the different platforms that everybody enjoys and, and try to capture, you know, some of the uh, the conversation that's going on. Because the more we hear from the fans at our black and gold production sports media company is the more ideas we get in our heads for more content and creative content at that. So uh, if you also want to write for us, stream for us podcast for us, please reach out at black and LLC at gmail.com. I don't care if you're a high school student, a college intern, or a retired person that it just needs something to do, and you're passionate about the Bruins, we have a spot for you to be creative and get some content out. And what's on your thoughts about this Boston Bruins team? Because they're on a wagon this year. A wagon. That's yeah. a six game winning streak wagon and probably going to win the cup. So if you want to get on and get your voice out there, let people know how freaking badass this team is, come to BNG, work for us.
1: Yeah, that's great news. Chris, great personality too. Uh, just a, a certain people you could listen to talk all day. I could listen to that guy talk all day. So that's um, that's great. That's really exciting. And uh, of course, I can't go any further without mentioning FanDuel, FanDuel.com slash Boston. Uh, FanDuel, a proud sponsor here, the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have them as a partnership here with us. Um, I'm happy enough to say that I have more of FanDuel's money in my FanDuel account than my own money. So uh, that's good. So we'll, we'll get into a little bit of um, what's working for us, and what hasn't worked for us so well um, when it comes to FanDuel. Um, but I'll tell you, I'm I was sitting there in the middle of Disney on ice yesterday at the Mass Mutual Center, checking my FanDuel, seeing what was going on, uh, the score, of the uh, some of the games. So, uh, again, com slash Boston is where you want to sign up and uh, tell them the boys the black and gold sent you for sure. Um, <laughs> that'd be great. Um, so we are looking at a six game, uh, six game winning streak here. We look back at, uh, some of the games in the last week and a week ago, as of Sunday, um, you know, I, I heard Al Adam Pellerin say something interesting, uh, sideline reporter. He was talking to Trent Frederick before the Tampa game. And he, the question was basically, you know, is it, is it nice to play teams that are also playoff teams? Because they, you know, you you play teams like Buffalo and it's still the point in the season where they're just so disengaged. They don't care. Like, you know, Dylan Cousins tries to fight in the first period and then that was it. Then they just roll right over. You know, they got a good goalie. But I mean, even he can't only do so much if the team in front of them can't get out of their own way. So um, a 7 nothing whooping uh, up there in Buffalo. Looked like they barely even broke a sweat. Um, Is that sort of the, the feeling you get here, Mark? Are a lot of these teams like Buffalo, Ottawa... They're just kind of rolling over at this point.
0: Yeah, it kind of seems so. Um, I mean, in the past, uh, this Boston Bruins team tended to play down to those teams, you know, the ones that are not very high in the standings. And, and you know, it cost a, uh, some valuable points back in the day when it comes down to, you know, the end of the season and preparing for the upcoming playoffs. But this is a different Boston Bruins team where Jim Montgomery is is really pushing for more offense. We'll talk about that from my hashtag BNG um question um that uh we got from our discord members by the way we do have a discord please sign up uh and and join the hockey community as well feed us information and topics uh for what we need to talk about every week but um no i just think that you know they're being prepared for whatever's going to come at them um but it's also getting to a point where you need to get some load management and these might be the games that you want to target for that particular um uh, scenario, but, um, you know, what a shit kicking they did for Buffalo. I mean, I think that's 14 goals in the last two games that the, uh, Bruins have played the Buffalo Sabres. So, uh, it's good, good that they're not playing down to their opponents, but it's also good that they're also prepared for teams that are in the playoffs and that are going to grind with you probably in a second round series like Tampa Bay who played yesterday. But, um, you know, there's still a couple of games we're going to talk about throughout the week though.
1: Yeah. I, I think there are things to gain from all these, you know, crap bag teams. I mean, you know, Buffalo, again, they got a big young strong forwards, right? So just playing against a guy like Alex Tuck for, for 60 minutes is a grind. It's, it's tough. It's, yeah. but it's what prepares you for, um, you know, for individuals on playoff teams that might give you a hard time, you know, same for Ottawa, you know, uh, Matthew Chuck, is it Matthew Chuck, Which I always forget which Chuck they got, but whichever one it is, there, um, that guy's a pain, man. He's hard to play against. Yeah. You know, Tim Stutzla can play. Like these guys can play, um, so even if they're disengaged, it it's still there's still something to take from it, um, from the perspective of of just getting, I don't know, getting your body right, going up against guys that um can play. You know, you're not playing against the Belleville Senators. You're not playing against the Rochester Americans. You're playing against, you know, still NHL caliber players, so, you know, maybe there is still a little bit of something you can take from these games. Um, you know, we look we look forward from Buffalo to that um, two to one win against Ottawa. Um, you know, another game that was kind of a grind, and I don't think that the Bruins necessarily played down to Ottawa, but I think the Ottawa played up a little bit. I think they, unlike Buffalo, maybe rolled over a little bit less. Um, had a little bit more pride in what they were doing and um, real quick, I want to give a quick shout out. I believe that was the game um, that was women's uh, women's night at TD garden. And yeah. uh, Michaela Johnson, who's normally the in-game host was the PA announcer. Uh, Michaela is one of the nicest human beings I've come across with uh, in, especially in this, you know, this world, this hockey world I live in, but the Bruins in particular, um, she got to do the PA announcing. She did an awesome job. Um, I'd like to say she maybe maybe she was channeling her inner me a little bit but uh no she she was a total pro um and uh she can really do anything she's a chameleon sky's the limit um uh, so tip of the hat to Michaela uh Johnson for doing the PA announcing for that one um any takeaways from that Ottawa game for you Mark
0: I do want to uh, dovetail on the uh, on the women in sports um, is uh, the Boston Bruins also did a great thing for the media members that happened to be females in the um, on the ninth floor. Uh, each one of them got a very nice rose and a nice letter uh, or a card from the uh, from the organization, you know, basically shouting them out for all their hard work. And, you know, it's, it's really cool to get rec- recognized like that and we need a lot more of it uh, in my opinion we've had some amazing women working uh here at BNG that moved on to uh you know higher levels uh Lauren Campbell from Nesson and 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 most recently Gail Triani who uh, got the uh, a fantastic opportunity at Nesson as well covering games on the ninth floor and really busting out articles left and right um, from all sports not just the Boston Bruins she's been pl- plugging away at Patriots uh, Celtics and so on so uh, you know, just shout out to all the ladies that are really grinding it out there and 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 proving that they also have a place uh, alongside men like me and and, and and other trench workers like Ty Anderson and, and Connor Ryan and so on. But yeah, back to back to the game. Very playoff style, in my opinion. You know, I thought this was just a, a back and forth game that uh, both teams were feeling each other out, much like you'd see in a first round playoff series, you know, and and. You like to see that from teams like Ottawa because they're going to be an an upcoming team, much like Buffalo as well. Buffalo might have freaking, you know, bent over and took it for the last two games from the Boston Bruins, pumping in 14 goals against that franchise. But you got to believe that next year, maybe the year after, that's going to be a playoff team. And like Ottawa as well, both of those teams are going to be heavy hitters in the Atlantic. By the way, they've been drafting and collecting all these prospects and basically doing it right with advancement. Uh, Tage Thompson freaking leading the way for Buffalo and Stutzler, like you mentioned, for Ottawa. There's really good things coming out of the league when you see teams like that that are going to build for playoff success in the future.
1: Yeah, knowing Buffalo, they'll probably trade all their assets and suck forever. But <laughs> Ottawa, you I know. know. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, Ottawa pumped on, you know, they pumped 41 shots on net. Um, you know, they. they didn't give up. You know, the Bruins only scored two goals and it's because Ottawa just at times wouldn't give them the puck. Um, you know, and and again, we talk about prep, playoff prep, like this is playoff prep mode. You're going to find hot goaltenders like you did in, is uh, it Sugard, Matt Sugard? Yeah. Um, you know, what? Do you, how do you handle a hot goalie? How do you handle a guy where you throw everything at him and he stops it all and now you're sort of changing the way that you play or, or adjusting the your attack mode? I think it was games like that that were great, um, great opportunities to again prep for the playoffs. And you're right, I think Ottawa, um, I think Ottawa more than more than Buffalo is going to be that team that's going to be uh, really good here coming up. They will have another draft with some high draft picks coming up here in a little bit, and um, just they're definitely somebody to keep an eye on. So, O-Mark was amazing on that
0: in that game. You yeah. know, the first star of the game, Jake DeBroska also playing really hard and heavy. I mean, he's engaged. I love seeing an engaged Jake DeBros. So I uh, can't wait to see him and Zaka like kind of open up and give this uh, Boston Bruins team just that, that little more offense.
1: Yeah. There's no more tightness. I, I you know, last right. year it was, it was Frederick and, and DeBros in particular, it seemed like they were gripping their sticks so tight and now they're just, they're just loose and, and, and they're having fun and, they, they don't seem like they have the pressure on them that they had in the past. You know, yep. Frederick, I don't think anybody's really talking about him. He's got, he's got 10 more points than he's ever had in his whole career. And he's on a, you know, playing on a line now with, with Coyle and, um, and Bertuzzi and those three styles of play to me are fantastic together. Um, yep. So and, and, I and don't forget so the, don't forget the element Steve of when Taylor
0: Hall comes back. Cause most likely the way the, the lines are going to be structured for the playoffs at least in my opinion, in the first round, you're going to see um, just the, re- the regular top line, um, Marchand, Bergeron, and uh, Dabrowski. Then I think it should be the all-check line. It's got to be Zaka, it's got to be Krejci, and it's got to be Pasenak. And if Hall comes back, you're putting together the pieces back together for the best third line in the NHL, in my opinion, of hall Coyle, and Frederick on the right side. Even though he's playing on his off wing, he's been fantastic over there.
1: Um, Sort of off topic, but not really. If Hall comes back, who's out? Who do you sit? I mean, or are you moving Bertuzzi down to the fourth line? Like, he's so much better than a fourth liner. You know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah. what what's the yeah, plan? Yeah, he's got...
0: Pertuzzi's got some nice creativity, too, and I didn't expect that because I didn't really watch a ton of Detroit Red Wings games, only when the Boston Bruins played. And the only thing I noticed from him was when when he was being a pest to us and trying to get my off his game and so on. Uh, But um, I like the way he... His passing, his uh, his IQ is off the charts. You know, when he gets the puck, he, he takes quick looks and gets the uh the puck away from his stick as fast as possible because he, he's a type of player that garners a lot of attention on the ice. You know, everybody's gonna want to go after and hit him and try to get him off his game. But for him to have those um uh, those kind of you know slick hands and so on, and the IQ to 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 know where other players are, even though you're a new member of this team. Is, is pretty much off the chart so yeah i do like the idea of him sticking around on the third but he's also a player i wouldn't want on the right side i've heard a lot of bad things about him being on the right side i think he's a very comfortable left uh side player not like Trent frederick who can go to the right and the left and play up the middle but i would like to see uh Bertuzzi on the left uh permanently but yeah i could see him down in the fourth line or even the third line but yeah it's it's we're at a we're at a we're spoiled with all these like yep. ifs, ands, and buts, and where can we put everybody? Because mm-hmm. everybody's working out. Jacob Lauco, absolutely beating crow in my face from earlier this season. You know, I mean, he's playing. He's playing to a point where the coaching staff is hard to take him out of the lineup. But what are you going to do when uh, the playoffs do come around? And 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 Nick Felino, by the way has been seen without a boot. So that is a very, very solid sign moving forward. So what do you do when he comes back? It, it, it's a We're at a massive riches right now, my friend.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it would be nice, you know, even if a guy like Bertuzzi does go to the fourth line, isn't it nice to have a fourth liner that can be on what should be your number one penalty kill and probably your number two power play unit. So even if he's not getting as much time, five on five, he, he can be the first guy off the bench when it comes to special teams. And again, I've been saying it all year, but now you're not, you know, you're relying less on Bergeron and Marchand on special teams. And you can go to a guy like Bertuzzi and you can put together a Bertuzzi coil, you know, hodgepodge of a of a, of a a penalty kill and a power play. So, yep. you know, even if he's not getting those five on five minutes, the special teams minutes uh, can still be there for him. And I think he'd be a huge asset on, on both of them, quite frankly. Just the power play needs it, which we'll get into at some point, I'm sure. We move forward to the only uh, – this is the only trip to Boston for the Montreal Canadiens. That is a freaking crime. That's um, a joke. Uh, this is something really, really needs to be done about this. I know uh, Bruins fans aren't the only ones that are pissed off about this, but um, uh, they do get a 4-2 to win over Montreal. Again, another team that's not good, but I thought played up a little bit. Um, Marty St. Louis, I, I believe in uh, just the way he played. I don't think he's, he's going to let his guys play terrible, but I mean, again, that was, that was pretty much the Laval rocket. I mean, I'm looking up and down that roster and I'm like, these are the, you know, Springfield played them in the Calder Cup, cup uh, uh, the Eastern conference finals. And it was almost all the same names. Um, so uh, I don't know. My biggest takeaway was AJ Greer. What are you doing? Um, I, I, oh. I just, I've never really bought into this player this year uh, playoff time. I expect to see him on the ninth floor. Um, I did think that was uh, really stupid. Um, but I also think a guy like Mike Hoffman, who's got his own checkered past, pissing and moaning about it on social media, I thought was a little childish too. Um, what were your, some of your takeaways, Mark, from that uh, Montreal game? Uh, yeah, I totally agree with every with you and everybody else uh, when
0: it comes to the scheduling. It's absolutely criminal that this rivalry does not see more divisional games and and something's got to be done. I'm sure we'll talk about how to do uh, our own schedule, um, you know, in the future during the offseason when we need something to talk about. But this has got to stop. This is what's killing rivalries is the schedule people. You know, I mean, how can we play, um, you know, a team six times? And then not play the biggest rival, it, it, possibly in sports, uh, in history, uh, just uh, three and one at home. But um, I, it doesn't matter. I get up for these games. I'm a huge uh, Bruins-Montreal kind of guy. Um, I was on the edge of my seat the whole night, and and it was just a great game, a great game. It just The Bruins just continue to keep uh, this this pace going and this winning streak going. But it was really good to see uh, uh, Tyler Matuzzi get on the board um Jake the continuing his his scoring streak and so on uh David Pasternak scoring is uh 20, 40, 49th and obviously Krejci coming in on the third period sealing the deal on a backhand goal um you know Swayman played really good I mean the three stars were Batuzzi was the number one star uh Jeremy Swayman was the second star and David Pasternak the third so just uh, another another win for this uh, Boston Bruins team that continues to to you know not not fall to these teams that are lower in the standings. Like I mentioned a little earlier, you know they're just finding ways to win, and 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 the coaching staff is pushing them in the right direction. Um, obviously, the power play does have to get better. Uh, that's something that you know uh, you know we did get a power play goal and so on against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I think um, eventually. Yeah, we didn't even get one in the uh, in the Montreal game. So uh, I wrote an article about some concerns about it and what, what Jim Montgomery can uh, possibly do. And that's at blackandgoldhockey.com if you want to go check it out. Um, just some ideas about creativity and so on because we're not getting enough quality shots. We're not getting to the net on certain opportunities. But when we play 5-on-5, five five, we're getting there. We're doing those things. But I don't understand why we can't do it when the other team's a man down. You know, we have the talent on this team to, to snap it around effectively, but we also have the talent on this team, even now from the back end, like over the off season, all we heard was we're going to get more support this year from the back end, the back end, the back end. And we saw that in a lot of the freaking year, but it seems like that's starting to like fade away a little bit. And I think that the coaching staff is trying to push that back involved to just get your opportunities when you can and, don't do the Hoosiers 11 passes before you take a shot. That shit drives me nuts. You know, if you this is a lot of opportunities that these team this team gives up and you know, it's, it's got to it's he's got to right the ship because this is an integral part of winning a playoff series. Now, I know fans are going to be like, "Mark 2011, they stole oh, the worst period, goal. Probably, Yeah. You know, uh, Thomas Cable, what's hear here. Yeah, you know what? That. That's also freaking I don't I'm not good with the math 12 years ago, 13 years ago and so on. It's different. The league has evolved. We need to capitalize on the power play. And we also even though we do have the best freaking penalty kill in the league, we got to stay out of the box. That's another thing. We're going to get we're going to get caught in a playoff series where we just do too many stupid penalties like the AJ Greers, that was just undisciplined. You didn't need to do that. I don't care if Hoffman slashed you and so on, get the call. Don't make the call.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about the Tampa game coming up because that was, that was a prime example. And I've talked about the momentum of you. The other team acts like a bunch of jackasses, gives you free power plays and you do nothing with them and coming out of getting whatever that was, uh, you know, Eight minutes of power play time, you came out of it one to one because you gave up a shorty. Like you, you, you should have been four nothing, and the game should have been over. You know, ten minutes into the into the game. So, the power play to me is a huge issue. Um, I, I will say going just going back to the Montreal game, um, I was very very impressed with Jacob Zaboral. and I'm, I I haven't even thought of that guy uh, a, a lick this year. But if you can get that guy playing the way he played in that Montreal game what another asset and I know that um you know six maybe seven spots now on defense are taken but we talk about depth in the playoffs both particularly in the back end which is something I think has been missing over the years if you can get an engaged and motivated and ready to go Jacob Zaboral down the stretch here what a huge help that's going to be
0: yeah yeah the depth, it just speaks to the depth of this team you know and I do understand that Jacob uh, had a really good post uh, preseason, but then tailed off in his games that he was given. And there wasn't many. I think I heard he was playing, he played three games this season or maybe four, but um, the mental preparation, uh, the practices, I've heard that he's been engaged and so on, just working hard to to get his spot. It's a tough year for a player like him, but uh, to have him still with the team and, and that added depth it means a lot because we'll talk about the the absence of Derek Fulbert in a little while. This is the next man up mentality because, um, you know, depth it, is going to be challenged now and it, we got 10 games to go. It's going to be challenged again because we don't even know how load management is going to uh, look uh, in the last 10 games or the last five or, or two games at the end of the season because um, sooner or later you got to rest these guys. I, I'm, I'm a proponent for it. And um, I also want to see some thank you games. You know, we're so far ahead. We're like 15, 14 points ahead of Carolina, I believe. Um, so, you know, I think the last two games should be thank you games and it should be an AHL roster.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, AHL along with some of these guys like Zaboral that, that have Absolutely. just been sitting up on the ninth floor for however long. He's, he's got his butt print, you know, uh, right there in the seat that he's been sitting in all season. Um, but I mean, that's, you ask for depth and I mean, that's, what's going to happen, you know, um, so a little bit of credit to Montreal. I thought they played hard. Um, I, but you could just tell that they weren't even remotely in the same class as the Bruins. Um, at least not this year, certainly. And again, I I just, I can't stress it enough. You mentioned you, these are games you, you, you get up for like Detroit Rangers, Blackhawks, I mean, it doesn't matter where any of these teams are in the standings when they play each other or they play the Bruins. It's it's must watch television. It's a rivalry that they didn't even, you know, it, it means something when you put those sweaters on. And, you know, when they play against each other, it means something. It really does. No matter regardless of the standings, it means something. Um, <clears throat> so that needs to happen more often. Um you know, we make comparisons to 2011 all the time. One thing that I'm noticing more of, which I saw back then, and I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, um, the fourth line, starting games, starting periods. Um, that happened a couple times over the week. It happened uh, in the game on Saturday against Tampa Bay. Um, again, right off the jump, everybody was talking about Patrick Maroon and um, and uh, oh <laughs> uh, Garnet Hathaway. But really, that was Lauko, uh sticking his nose in there with uh, Ross Colton or Colton Ross. I can never get that guy's name right because his name is backwards: <laughs> Colton Ross, Ross <laughs> Colton, whatever the hell it is. You're um, gonna watch out for
0: those guys with two first names. <laughs> oh, it's the worst.
1: Um, so he, uh, so you know, that all started with Lauko. and I know that uh, I know that Fatty and um, and uh, Hathaway were going at it on the side. But uh, boy, right from the jump, you could tell that. Um, I, I was sort of convinced of this halfway through that, uh, Tampa said they're the best five on five team in hockey and they are struggling brutally on the power play. Let's just be as stupid as we can. Let's just take all the penalties that we can and play this team shorthanded and they won't score on us. And what do you know? After all that nonsense, uh, Hedman scores a shorty, the Bruins only get one power play goal and it's one, one at the end of the period. Um, so I don't know John Cooper for coach of the year I don't know but that was like um that's what but it, that was my takeaway from that period what else did you see in that game Mark
0: Um yeah I, I think that the players wanted to, the Tampa Bay players I'm I'm talking about wanted to make a statement because um when you read the articles and you and you watch some of these games and and his post um his post game um reaction his body language and so on John Cooper is, is not a very happy coach right now um, and watching him on the bench, uh, it was just like, wow, this guy has, has really changed and he's frustrated. He's not happy with this team. And, and I think that that's why they responded like that. They wanted to show to him that we, we're here to play. We're here to make going to make it tough on you. Uh, but, you know, as a little bit of unsuccessful strategic uh, move, in my opinion, um, because it just seemed that the Boston Bruins continued to frustrate them. Uh, up and down the ice even though the score was tight and it was a very playoff kind of feel I mean I wasn't in the house but I I can guarantee that uh, the folks that are listening that were in attendance yesterday you could probably cut the tension between those those two teams with a friggin knife Um, one thing that I really noticed I, I watched a lot of the bench when John Cooper was going and and later on in the third period when he called a timeout those players did not immediately huddle up they went to the they went to the bench they reached over they're grabbing their water and all of a sudden you look up and he goes hey and he points down right to the to the um to the assistant coach that was actually had the board out the whiteboard and and doing it because they weren't they weren't there it was it was very weird to see because you really don't see a a coach like that but coaches play different roles you could be the good cop bad cop you could be a good cop throughout the season, but when it comes down to this particular time and you're and you're a little bit nervous about what's going to happen in the playoffs, even though you're a damn good team when you talk about uh, offensive talent like Tampa Bay has, you also got to be like, where are we going? We need you. We need this. We need to be all bought in. And right now I'm just seeing the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have I think two wins in the last eight games, just not focused. Something's – I think they – there's a lot of people that say that they played a lot of hockey in the past couple of years, and it might be catching up to them. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't be overly shocked if they play
1: the Tampa, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and they get swept, much like Columbus did, you know? Yeah, I mean, and even Cooper, I, I mean, I, I, I don't even think it was two weeks ago where he benched Stamkos, Point, and Kucherov for an entire yes! third period. Yes! And it's like, dude, like, I mean, if if you talk about losing a locker room, like, that's how you lose a locker room. You know, yeah. and I know you're trying to make a point, but like to what extent are you trying to make a point? So um there's something going on down there. I, I also think that they've they've focused so much on getting grinders that they're lacking scoring talent. Like you're so obsessed with getting Tanner Janos and Maroons that you don't have the scoring depth in on the bottom half of the roster. You know? Yeah. I mean, Tanner is yeah, not here to score 20 goals. Like, he's not going to do that.
0: I, I got to shout out, um, uh, Only Bruin co host, and he's and the Only Bruins podcast is on the Boston, I mean, the Black and Go Hockey podcast network. And, uh, Brett Howard, he he is the, uh, the, uh, the co host along with Nick Boosa, my boy. Uh, those two guys do a great program. Follow them and subscribe. But anyway, he mentioned out, uh, he mentioned last, yesterday, about Tanner Janot and how much Tampa Bay paid for him. Ridiculous. A first, a second, a third, and a fourth round. Um, maybe even a fifth round, I'm not sure. But that's just a heavy price to get an ass asset like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a guy, and you know, I mean, Nick Paul. Like, Nick Paul had one good year, but he's not, you know, he, like when they were making trades for Blake Coleman, right? Like, that's a guy yep. who can, he, he'll... He's grindy, but he, he'll score too. Like yep. Nick Paul just doesn't really bring that to the table. Tanner Jano doesn't bring that to the table. They're 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 loading up on fisticuffs and don't have enough goal scorers. And that I think is going to be a big problem for them in the playoffs.
0: That's one of the reasons why I really liked what Don Sweeney did this uh before the trade deadline. Getting Hathaway. Hathaway can skate. He's a fast fucker. Uh, he can he can score. He gets to those dirty areas and he can put the fuck in the net. Not like a, a 30 goal score and so on, but he'll get you those goals that can that make impactful impacts. <laughs> um, you know and yes you are right. I do like the idea of a Blake Coleman back in the day because not only could be he that shit disturber but he could also be an offensive dynamo you know those are the types of players I wanted to see the Boston Bruins get and when they, when you talk about the heavier game and the playoff grindy style, I think that they did that dating back to the offseason when they actually got um, uh, A.J. Greer out of New Jersey. Uh, obviously, we I didn't know that all this shit was going to happen with him later on, but that's, I mean, A.J. Greer's got some offensive capabilities and some speed, but he's just got to get in the lineup with consistency and make all that happen. But there's a lot of players that are on this team that are pushing him away and him being the rotationary kind of forward. Um, those are well, the players he, I really like.
1: That's how I feel about Bertuzzi. I mean Bertuzzi yeah. to me is kind of like it's like a bigger, stronger Blake Coleman. I mean, I just he's, you know, he'll stir the pot and then he'll also go out there and have some beautiful passes and, yeah. you know, I I think that he's exactly what they're looking. at. He's the kind of player I love. So uh, I'm I'm a huge Bertuzzi guy. I love that move. Um, so yeah, something's happening with Tampa, um, and I love <laughs> you love to see it. I thought, by the way, I thought I I I really thought Jack Edwards was gonna, was going to need a change of pants. After that first period, uh, he was so obsessed with Patrick Maroon. And, oh, by the way, I don't blame I him. I don't blame <laughs> yeah. him. The fact that he was still went to the locker room and Patrick Maroon bitched him out for, like, eight minutes or whatever that was. Jack Edwards, man, you're sitting in front of that microphone and that guy acts like such a jackass. Oh, man. <laughs> you He's been waiting. I don't think he slept a wink last night. He was just laying there going, oh, that's stupid, stupid, <laughs> stupid Patrick Maroon. Um so um pre-roll hanging out his mouth, yeah. For real. Oh my god, that guy's something he's doing something, man. Um, so uh that win against Tampa did clinch the Atlantic division title already. Bruins still have 10 games to go. Um, 56, 11 and five record 117 points. Um, Mark, do you care about them breaking any records? These these point records and all that stuff. Do you care? I don't.
0: No, I just want them to play well, I want them to stay healthy. Um, load management is going to be, uh, up and coming the power plays just got to get a little bit better and it's going to get harder. Like I wrote in the article, uh, at block and uh, please go check it out. Um, it, it, there's there is enough time, 10 games to get to these guys and practices and games to get the power play better. But I also wrote about the load management factor is, you know, how can you effectively get your power play better when, with an influx on roster? You know, because there's going to be people that are coming up to get the thank you games while the uh, core rests. So, you know, you're not you're not creating anything better. But I don't know. I just maybe it's like a light switch. And I hope it is like that. Maybe once the playoffs get here, this power play just blows my freaking mind away. And I don't even know what I'm talking about. And I shouldn't have wasted my breath right here and now with my best friend, Mr. Steve Forney. But, you know, it's got to get better because sooner or later not having a good power play is not going to create great success if you're thinking about a serious long playoff run and windows closing and opening and and who's staying and who's going and and the legacies and blah 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 you know that all goes out the window if you don't put the puck in the net when you have these god gifted opportunities when some jackass is sitting in the box on the other bench and you just got to get shots on net I mean, get it to the get it to the net because it makes so much happen.
1: Yeah, I, um, you know, I, the the zone entries, and I, again, I'm not exactly some sort of genius here, but but you know, I've watched enough of Brick and and Billy Jaffe and these guys break it down, and they're like, this team can't successfully get the puck into the zone on the power play, and you know, it seems. It seems like a simple task. I mean, it seems like you, you, one guy flies up the side and you dump it into the corner and you let him go. Ch- I mean, um, Marshall is one of the best puck, puck retrievers in the game, you know. But, you know, like you said, pucks to the net. I mean, my favorite thing about Sean Thornton, uh, well, the most underrated part of his game is when he had the puck, he always shot it and he shot it low, far post. And when you have, you know, if you can't, if your issues zone entries, then shoot it on net. Get a face off, and now you're going now. You have one of the best face, you know, it's either Krejci or Bergeron, two of the best face-off guys in the league. So the puck's already in the zone, so you don't need to worry about zone entries. So now you just got to win possession. Man, <laughs> you just gotta get possession. So, you know, maybe it's as simple as that where they just you know, you get you, you get right to the blue line, you just fire it in on net, shoot it low, get in there to 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 have make the goalie ice it, and then take a face-off, but um. No. To think this this concept that we we keep hearing on social media of ho hum the Bruins have done this before with no power play they'll do it again. It's like well you know how many times has somebody hit the power ball twice? Yeah. You know, <laughs> great, like great it, analogy. Like I just you, you can't you, you can't operate like that especially with this much talent. So um I do think I I do trust what they have going on here. I think um <clears throat> I think a guy like Claude Julien for all of the things he was good at you know, setting up an offensive power play and and getting creative and tricky with it. I don't think that was his strong suit. Um, I do think they have some guys on the staff here that'll really help out and can really get this power play moving. So let's hope, like you said, Mark, they got some time to figure this out. Um, 10, but it's only 10 games. So uh, let's get that going. Um, Real quick. I want to talk uh, some injuries. It sucks. We're going to lose Derek Forbert, uh, possibly the rest of the season. Uh, we'll see what it, that looks like come playoff time. Again, that's why you got Orlov. That's why you didn't trade Zaborl. That's probably why you didn't trade Mike Riley. What do you think the impact is here uh, on the team? How do you think that affects what they're doing, especially on the penalty kill? Yeah, I mean, the penalty kill is going to take a, a a drastic turn. But, I mean, they're playing well right
0: now with without him. So I think, uh, you know, it's okay. But... I, I just think that his his shot blocking ability and, and his presence on the ice around the crease and so on is is gonna be missed. But um, you know, it's always that next man up mentality. I think um like having Zaboral around is gonna is you're not gonna be that Forbert type of player, but I mean he's good in other ways, you know. He can move the puck. well, he's got good mobility and, and he can push people around a little bit, not much like Forbert could, but um, and the character in the, in, the, in the locker room. I know he's still going to be around, but, you know, on the ice and, and off the ice, he's going to be missed and so on. But um, I wouldn't rule out, you know, a, uh, a return, um, you know, early in the first round. I don't know fully his extent of the injury and so on or, or how long it might take him to recover. But um, if he comes back in the playoffs, that's just a, an added bonus and he's healthy you know i mean even a 90 80% 90% Derek fowler still is still a good player you know uh, but if you don't want to take any chances on him you do have that depth that you can challenge as well i think Zaboro, like you said has played really well when given the opportunities uh, and unfortunately the opportunities come via an injury but you know he's uh, he's looking damn good and um just really like the way this this the depth of this team just you just put people players in there and they just they're so effective like, like Jacob Lauko lately, just plug and play. You know, the guy goes in there, gets his nose dirty, has some offensive capabilities, um, you know, and, and and even like Billy Jaffe was talking the other night that, you know, it hasn't been so great for Jacob Lauco in the past year. Uh, last year, he I, he really thought that he should have been a part of the team and 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 was frustrated about it. And I get it. I totally get the idea of somebody trying to get better and move up a level. It's just like a job, you know, you know, you know, you, you don't want to be a grunt worker all the time in the AHL. You want to finally get your opportunity up at the uh, NHL to not only showcase your skills to the management, but also that's what you've been do, busting your ass for pretty much your it's whole life. It's the, it's the yeah. goal. It is the goal. So, you know, it's just we are just so filthy rich with just like great players in a great system, um, you know, that came in here. Aheaded by Jim Montgomery and the coaching staff that they bought in and got the players to buy in as well. And and we're just reaping the benefits. So, I mean, be, be very, very happy Bruins fans. Well, what we're seeing because this is record breaking history shit right here.
1: Yeah. My only concern with forward is because cowboy Clifton likes to, I, he's a cowboy Clifton in the wild, wild West. I mean, he is, he <laughs> does what he wants and he's all over the place and, and I love what he brings, and I think that having a guy like Forbert who knows when Cliffy puts on that cowboy hat, yeehaw, he's he's Forbert knows how to be his defensive partner. And, and I think earlier in the year there was a lot of breakaways, defensive breakdowns, your goalies bailed you out of massive defensive turnovers, guys out of position, and Forbert playing with Clifton sort of masked a lot of that, and now if you're putting in somebody that's Maybe just not used to, you know, yee oh, you know, yeah. that, That's going to lead to some odd man rushes and things like that. And before you know it, you're down a goal. So, um, hey,
0: speaking of, speaking of yee haw, Connor Clifton in that first period, man, he looked like he was on a bull that just uh, opened a gate and, and went out there for eight seconds because they were like hitting him, cross checking him, and so on, which pretty much started a lot of that freaking hate, yeah, not, not the beginning. Not, not at the like right. nine second mark and so on. But later on, they were targeting him. He was getting in the face. And I love, I love in the game that him and like a player like Jake Dabrowski looking at Zernak and just laughing at him, just laughing at his face. Like, what are you going to do? You know, it's just, it's so good playoff style hockey. I was just really impressed by yesterday's kind of like um, tone, you know,
1: it was amazing. Mean, and even like, and I've, because I, I, I used to do their game, his games down at Quinnipiac, and so I, I've met Cliffy a bunch. And he's just, he's like, he's like that happy-go-lucky kid who just, like, always, like, you look at me like, what are you smiling at? You know, he's, he's always kind of smiling, and his hair is kind of a mess. He's just, hey, yep. how's it going? Like, we, He's just kind of like a goofball. And yeah, just the way he just he's out there and you know Chernak is so pissed and he's just yelling and screaming yeah. at the clip, he's just staring at him like, hey. it's just like it's so funny, dude. That guy cracks no me.
0: wonder why no wonder why that locker room absolutely loves that guy. I mean, yeah, he's just he's just, he's just like, like
1: Velcro, you stick right to him, you know. Yeah, he's like I don't know it's don't mean a directory, he's just kind of like a doofus, you know what I mean? He's just kind of <laughs> like a like a doofy kid, like in a good way. I just, uh, so I, and then he goes out there and he goes a million miles an hour and he flies around, and smashes people and punches them in the yeah, face. It's like zipping around. <laughs> so, but that does that, you know, let's hope we can find somebody who can, who, who can lasso Cowboy Clifton a little, a little bit, <laughs> like, like Forbert used to do.
0: I gotta um, say, I, I, lo- I love these things that you just drop. Cowboy Clifton, you bring in the um, Cowboy not Clifton, Rick, not Rick Zombo, but who is the, who is Greg yeah, you drop those like like so appropriately. It's so funny.
1: Well, he says like, he doesn't I'm like. Serious.
0: I got to get the Xanon Jar and just drop a quarter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he, he says he doesn't like the name Cliffy Hockey. So no, I, know, I mean, I've always just gone Cowboy
0: Clifton. It just you know I mean, how just... many years we went through calling him that, and finally comes out because
1: because somebody finally asked. Yeah, and he goes,
0: oh, I don't really like that. <laughs> the
1: cowboy, I love that. Which we haven't seen it. We haven't seen a reference like that since Sheriff Shane Knighty. Oh, so, uh, good so one. Nice good to have one. Cowboy Clifton uh, in the action. Um, <laughs> we do have uh, a couple of milestones um, that are coming up, some birthdays as well. We want to get to, but uh, before we go any further, I do want to mention um, our good friends at fanduel.com uh, and a big sponsor, the presenting sponsor at Black and Gold Hockey, Massachusetts. Listen up, the wait is finally over. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is now live here in the state of Massachusetts. And for you new customers here in Mass, you can get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. So all you do is bet $5 and then boom, you get $200 in free bets. You just got to sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston. Finally, you can bet all your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. Uh, I will say that for me personally, I've been um, I've been doing over unders on uh, the NCAA basketball. So if the number's under 160, I forget how I do it. I hate numbers. 160, 160 is <laughs> the number. I'm usually under 160 because I don't think they can score in the 80s. But anyway, um, that is I, I, I've done pretty well here in the college basketball, not so well in the NHL, but that's okay. Uh, Mark, what are you playing? Are you playing any? Uh, you pl- sticking to hockey, or are you going out branching out a little bit?
0: Yeah, this week I'm going to uh, hit up the FanDuel mobile app, and I'm going to get in on the action on the Bruins in Nashville on Tuesday, and obviously Columbus and the Bruins on Thursday night, and uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh on Saturday afternoon. That is the game we're going to be at Funky Murphy's in uh, Marlboro, Massachusetts. Uh, come and check it out. Please uh, use the show notes uh, hit our RSVP and uh, come watch the game with us. It, it could be a great time. Do some live betting on the FanDuel app. Uh, you know I'm going to be doing that. But also coming up uh, next weekend, I'm a big golf guy. So the Valero Texas Open PGA Tour Golf, I'm going to get my fix on that. And uh, obviously the weekend after is the Masters. So that's what I'm going to be doing on the FanDuel app, Steve.
1: Yeah, I got uh, I got some action going today on uh, on March Madness. Uh, again, I'm, I'm mostly playing the over-under, but um... – I do like, uh, I'm I'm going over 134 um, in the San Diego State game, and I'm taking San Diego State plus two and a half, and uh, over 149 uh, in the Miami-Texas game. I'm going to take Miami plus three and a half, too. I'm taking the dogs today. Uh, So we'll see what happens there. Uh, But uh, either way, uh, I'm betting on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. That is the FanDuel app, so don't miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Visit fanduel.com slash Boston and make every moment more on America's number one sports book 21 and 21 and over and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only $10 first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable, which means if you get the bonus, you can't just cash out, right? You have to actually use the money to gamble uh, bonus bet that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you do have a gambling problem, hope is here. Visit helplinema.org, or you can call 800-327-5050 for 24/7 support and yes folks uh, just like everything in life uh the best things to do with these things is in moderation so uh stay within your means uh do what you can don't uh, uh you know don't give up the house or the farm but uh have some fun with it like Mark and I do and again fanduel.com/boston i think the best thing i think the best
0: thing about fanduel and other sites like that is just um is is you get creative it's almost like going to get a scratch ticket in Massachusetts lottery store grab five bucks, you go out in your car, you scratch it, you win or lose, big deal. It's not like you're you know, spending thousands and thousands of dollars on scratch tickets. But what I like doing is I like getting creative and parlaying stuff. So, you, you know, the Bruins are always going to be that minus number, which is going to be the favorite. So if you pick that and then you pick under 65, under 6.5, and then you pick a goal scorer, like I'm, I'm always picking like, Zaka and Marshand and, and I hit on and DeBrus. Others. Yeah. I hit on DeBrus. Yeah. I picked yep. DeBrus too. And I hit, I hit on the other night. Yep. That $5 turns into like a hundred and something dollars. So you can get creative it's, and it's a lot of fun. It's not just throwing thousands of dollars on the bet and just going, Oh, well I lost. No, you can't do that. Not like on my the, wages.
1: I like the, uh, the shots things, you know, it's like, and I think today is the Carolina game. It's like, will, will Patrice Bergeron and Brent Burns get over three and a half shots? Yeah. Like, I love that. I had to think about it for a little while, but I, I, I picked yep. one, you know, so we'll see, uh, we'll see exactly. what happens. And um, yeah, I like the creativity. I think I'm, I th- I'm i not, I haven't watched baseball in a long time. I think I'm going to start because I like the idea of the pitch clock and, you know, I haven't really looked into it yet, but you know, yeah. Will the Red Sox get a, hit a double in the first three innings? Like, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's, what's going to make me watch baseball. You know what I mean? Yep. Those kind of things. Exactly. So, um, so it, it is a, a more interesting way to look at sports and uh it's way more fun when you got a little little cheese on the action. So I love uh, it. <laughs> big thanks to our our friends and our partners at FanDuel again, fanduel.com slash Boston. Um we do want to say a uh congratulations to David Krejci. He's moved into fifth place all time in games played as a Boston Bruin. Uh, he's 23 games behind his general manager, Don Sweeney, for fourth place. Uh, so depending on how the playoffs or, you know, you got to hope he comes back next year. Um, he could very well hit that number and what a career he's had. Um, it's amazing again to think that last year he was playing against pig farmers in the, in Chechnya. And now he's back uh, <laughs> playing second line minutes and, you know, hasn't missed any time, got whacked in the face, pretty good. in the Tampa game, you know, came right back. So uh, congratulations to, to David Krejci. uh Boston Bruins head coach, is now only three wins away from passing Red Wings coach Mike Babcock for uh, most wins in their first season with an NHL franchise. Again, Mike Babcock, who's kind of a dick, uh, was pretty much <laughs> gift-wrapped uh, Gift wrapped that team by Scotty Bowman. I was a big Red Wings fan back in the day, and uh, Mike Babcock didn't do anything. That was all Scotty Bowman and Steve Eisenman um, getting that team going. But regardless, um, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Bob Babcock's oh. such a dick. Um <laughs> Uh B's Tom Johnson had 57 wins in the 70-71 season. So, again, got to figure. I, I mean, the, the Columbus game is a win because they don't even want to win. So, uh, right. <laughs> he's he only got to win two more out of nine. I think you can get that done. Uh, what a job he's done there. And um, uh, and a happy birthday. A happy birthday to Bruins legend Bobby Orr. Turned 75 yeah. last week. Um, You know, again, didn't wasn't around to watch Bobby Orr. But what I noticed about Bobby Orr is that he's always present. Uh, he's always around. He's always around the game of hockey. He's always around New England. I remember, you know, he, he was an agent. I don't know if he still is or a recruiter, he but I remember, is. Yeah, I remember is. them saying, uh, Bobby Orr found this kid named Connor McDavid. Watch out for him. He's going to be really good. And he's 16. Watch out. He's going to be great. And oh, by the way, he knocked that one out of the park. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on on the great number four and just the impact he's had on on hockey, not just here, but, you know, globally?
0: Yeah, I mean, just he basically turned the uh, not only the franchise around, um, but also the game. Uh, nobody moved the puck uh, when they were defensemen like Bobby Orr did back in the day. He revolutionized the, the sport and the position. Um, just the way he skated through all three zones um, was amazing. Uh, just his offensive capabilities from the blue line were just on par. And um, what I liked about him was he was all class. You know, he really was just a a quiet legend um but classy on and off the ice and and what he did for the new england area was he brought hockey like back you know like really like built the um the uh the interest and rinks were being built everywhere um when during the Bobby Orr era um and you know we need more of that like today And we're seeing a lot of these legends today and so on but you know nobody really, really made an impact in, in the, uh, developmental side of hockey, uh, particularly with kids like Bobby or did back in the day. So, um, you know, obviously it sucks what happened to him as when he was a player and his agent, Alan Eagleson, um, terrible, terrible person. Uh, there's a book about him, uh, that was written about a great author from the, uh, um, uh, the Lawrence Eagle Tribune. I don't remember his name. I'm sorry, but, uh, I'll try to, put the uh the book in the show notes if everybody's interested in reading it it's it's a very good read but a sad one as well um but bobby's just one of those those people that w- would do anything for the other person you know just a, a, a super class act and and always engage in the game and so on and the stories just the stories of of people um when they talk about him and so on it's just uh, amazing like like um you know Phil Esposito talking about um, uh, Bobby Orr as an agent. He's like, yeah, he was a hell of a player, but you ever sit down at the table when he's, uh, you know, sitting there trying to negotiate a contract? That guy was tough, you know? So, I mean, he's all about business and so on. But, you know, happy 75th and hopefully uh, many more, Mr. Bobby Orr. I had to rhyme a little bit there.
1: Yeah, I I think, um, think, you know, it's one of those things I always hear about, like, Like New York Giants fans, the Yankees, like the Yankees had fans everywhere because they were kind of the only team that would be on TV. They were the only team. They were always on the front page of the paper in Milwaukee. And it was always, you know, Joe DiMaggio and and Yogi Berra. And, you know, so Yankees fans became almost global because there was one game. It was one game on a week. And the same thing goes for the Giants. Uh, it was always the giants that were on TV when football was, you know, in it's infancy infancy and in, in television was what it was back in the day. And that's why giants and Yankees fans are everywhere. That's how I feel about the Bruins fans that we have everywhere. And, you know, not my generation, but my dad's generation and his dad's generation, because if you watch hockey on TV, you know, or you read about it in the paper, it was always about Bobby Orr's Boston Bruins. And, you know, that, sort of that uh, uh for that time to be that well known across not only the nation but you know the entire continent you know you have Bruins fans in the heart of Toronto and Montreal because of their love for Bobby Orr and those teams yep. and um you know that's that to me is the big the big thing for the brand that you see now globally was what Bobby Orr instilled in people Back in the day, you know, and that all started with him. And obviously he still carries it today. But, um, you know, that's a big part of why Bruins, why that Bruins sweater means as much as it does today uh, was from Bobby Orr. So uh, great 70, ambassador. 75, yeah, massive, massive. So um, 75 years old. Happy birthday to um, uh, to the great number four, Bobby Orr. Uh I still get a little freaked out when I see guys in Providence wearing number four or like number 37. I'm like, yeah. It's just weird. It's weird to see those jerseys on Bruins sweaters that aren't, but um, you know, uh, but it is what it is. Um, moving ahead, our buddy uh, Jeremy Swayman named the NHL's third star of the week. Um, yeah, he's just been phenomenal. I, I know there's been a lot of discussion about do you and even Cassidy was uh, Cassidy Montgomery was asked about it. You know, is he going to rotate goalies in the playoffs? Um, I, I got to be honest, I see no problem with. It, and it doesn't even have to be regimented, but, you know, a couple games, two or three games for Allmark, and then you throw Swayman in for one, and a couple more games for Allmark, and then you throw Swayman in for one, and, you know, it, it's not typical, but, you know, neither was neither was having a goalie 1-1A and in the regular season in the 90s and early 2000s. Marty Brodeur would play, would play 70 out of 80 games you know, and then go play the playoffs. So it never really tech. It never really was like that back then. So I don't know. I see no problem with a little bit of a goalie rotation in the playoffs. What are your thoughts on Swayman so far, Mark and, and heading towards the playoffs? What What's your plan in net? This is actually a, um, um, a discord question from, um,
0: uh, I think his name is Andrew. Uh, I'm not totally sure. Sorry about uh, Adrian, that. But...
1: Adrian winter.
0: Yes. That's it. That's it. Thank you. I did put it in the show notes, <laughs> But uh, you know, Adrian uh, asked um, about that because it's it, it is a conversation that's going on right now, and and you know how they're playing right now. You know, it's 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 almost like every other game, which is a good uh, you know a good schedule for both of those guys to keep fresh and so on. Be um, you know, I'm always a traditionalist. I'm I'm you know I'm a I'm an all my guy. I want to see this guy you know, finish the task here at hand. I mean, this guy came to play at the beginning of the season and his record shows it and his numbers show it. Um, and I think that he should get the uh, the call because of what happened last year. I mean, he was a good goal, t- a great goaltender last year as well, played 41 games, split the season with Swayman. But the, the playoffs weren't really good for him, you know, against the Carolina Hurricanes. And it really wasn't good for the, the Boston Bruins home effort, uh, you know, to put a bow on that talk. But, um, I I just, I don't mind the idea either because it also just talks about how well they work together and how well they're pushing for each other. It's not a competition. It's about them and the team and how they can uh, facilitate what is needed by stopping every puck that comes at them or try at least. Um, so I, I don't hate the idea. I really don't hate the idea, but, um, when I don't. I don't know. It's it's so hard to because I would want the crease as a goaltender, as a as a guy who's played net for over thirty some odd years, uh, never pro, just a beer league kind of guy. I would want the net myself, but that's just me.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the only other thing I would I would really, uh, I guess I would really think about is that you know, Olmark's not. Like he doesn't really have any playoff experience either. Like it's not like you're going, it's not like he's a guy like Tuca that's played in the playoffs forever, or, you know, one of these goalies that's been there and done that. Um, you know, if you look at a team like, like, uh, uh, like Carolina, for instance, you know, they have this young goalie who's playing really well, Kochetkov, but he's behind Freddie Anderson, who's like been there, done that. And I know he doesn't want anything, but I mean, he's got he's got the miles underneath him um you know Omark in the playoffs he's zero two uh with a 4.16 goals against average and 860 save percentage and he ate last year he got pulled i i think i i, I felt bad but for montgomery that he was kind of put on the spot to answer that question um but i wouldn't just say you know all mark it's your thing you know we're gonna ride and die with you either because i don't think that's the right approach i i'd like to, to think that the guy who's going to win the Vezina still has something to prove might be kind of silly, but in the playoffs, he kind of does. I mean, he's Owen too. So, you know, and if I know him and I know that their relationship, I, I, I want a guy who's going to say, like you said, I want to be in the crease, but I also know that they have such a relationship to where he probably wants Swayman to have some success in the playoffs too. Like they just have this bromance that is like, so it's like intense. Yeah. So like, you know, I don't know what his mindset is, but from, from a fan's perspective, I'm not exactly giving the reins in the entire ship to Olmark because I just, I don't, I haven't seen it yet in the playoffs. So I know it's a new team, new year, obviously, but like the proof hasn't been in the pudding yet come playoff time.
0: True. No, it's a valid point. Absolutely valid point. That's on, that's on minds of many Bruins fans. It's like, yeah, he's doing good, but, we haven't accomplished our goal yet. And, and to really solidify the hearts of the, um, of the all marked doubters in the past, when they, when they really hammered the Boston Bruins organization for signing him for that amount of money. And for that term, um, you know, I was, I was very high on them getting a, getting a veteran goaltender because we didn't know what was happening with Tukarask. We didn't know if his return was going to be successful because we did know, he was going to have surgery sometime during the off season. So the idea of getting somebody else in there as a stopgap, break glass, emergency case of emergency was absolutely needed. But the way that this guy has just t- t- basically take over the league in year two of a four year deal is just, it's phenomenal in my opinion. And I, and I just for everything that I've read about him and learned about him, I want this for him. You know, yeah. I think this would, this would do a lot of things about, his past with his father and, and his past. That's just a hard work, a great kid that just loves the game and just obviously loves being in a locker room day by day with a, with a great core of people, whether yeah, it's it, Buffalo or Boston.
1: Yeah. And, and I will say it's, uh, I don't see any holes with them. Like, like when it comes to the playoffs, you're game planning, you're playing the same team, seven games, you're, you're putting together a game plan on how to beat them. And I, I've seen the Bruins this year play goalies. I think it was Ilya Samsonov where they're like, well, this guy has nothing, you know, th- this guy's super leaky here. And, and, you know, if you get them down and you get them up, you, the five holes open, right? There are holes there that you can game plan for. I think that it's much easier to game plan against the Bruins offensively. I think if you have the talent and a game plan, you could probably dry up their offense a little bit. But I don't really see the game plan yet as to how to – how to beat Linus Olmark consistently? One hundred and one. Here's the game plan. I haven't seen that yet, um, and so I do think he has that going for him. I think that he's in a really good spot physically, and you know, with the options he has in front of him, I think he's in a good spot. So, um, yeah. we'll we'll see. We'll let him. We'll let him go. We'll let him ride or die there in the at least the first first couple games. Um, we do have a couple of uh, prospecty things. Um, that we can get to. Uh, we'll start here. Bruins prospect, Ty Gallagher. Um, uh, he was down at, at BU. Uh, they won the 2023 Hockey East. Season ends, though, without advancing to the uh, nation's final four teams. Um, is this a guy that is going to show up in Providence and help the team? Or what's uh, what's the future like here for a guy like Ty Gallagher? I'm not sure about wh- about where he's going to be,
0: if it's going to be Providence or not. I mean, the, I think there, there could be a possibility – that he gets an ATO, um, which is technically not a professional contract, so it, it kind of jives with, um, you know, the college uh, commitment and so on. Because um, I, I don't, I'm not sure if he wants to leave school quite yet. Um, but um, no, he's been playing well this season. You know, a solid Bruins prospect. He moves very well. I've watched a couple of his games. I'm not an overly big expert on him, but. Um, I, I just like his game. Kind of, he, I don't know if it's just the BU thing in me, but he kind of reminds me of a of a of a bit of a Grizzly, you know, a type of player that can uh, be mobile. Um, you know, maybe not so strong on, on his defense, but that's something that obviously time can he can work on and develop properly and so on. But not a solid, not a bad piece to have, in, in, you know, in the on the back burner when you're looking at your your defensive depth and your uh, developing core. Uh, I think, I think he's done pretty damn good this season. And, um, uh, you know, this has got a lot of upside. I know a lot of people are real high on him and so on.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, getting a, a nice little playoff run with Providence wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, yeah. you know, and, and he does have, you know, he's got the offense, but he's bigger too. He's six, you know, six feet, almost 190 pounds. So he is a little bit bigger plus 21, uh, this year for BU 21 points in 39 games, a lot of assists. Um, yeah. And you know, I think there's probably you would know better than me, but there's probably more of a spot for him in Providence on the defense. You know, Boston's obviously their defense is set, and Providence has kind of a logjam at forward, right? They have a ton of forwards, so yeah. you know, there, there's they could probably make room for him uh, on that back end there in Providence. You know, between Anton Strawman and and Mike Riley, but you got Dan Brunoffs, and as Nick Wolf right is out for a while too, so yeah. You know, they could probably squeeze him in, but um, don't, don't forget about that,
0: don't forget about the black aces, too. You know what I mean? So the right. black aces, you're going to bring up uh, six, seven or eight players from Providence. So this might be an opportunity for an ATO uh, and that, that is an amateur tryout uh, to go on to the Providence Bruins to facilitate the loss of some of those black aces that are going to be traveling around, uh, you know, doing the playoff thing with the Boston Bruins. So, yeah, that's not a bad idea, Steve, at all.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of Providence, they clinched a a playoff spot uh, with a road win in Charlotte. Um, And as you mentioned, you know, they're in an interesting spot here because they could lose six to seven guys here as they head towards uh, the playoffs. Um, But besides that, I mean, they're rolling. I mean, they're playing some good hockey here. It seems like they can beat everyone except Springfield um so (laughs) um you wait you wait there there could be a
0: listen the the providence bruins are going to get a first round bye, most likely there is um uh 10 games remaining much like the boston bruins uh their parent their parent team um but there's a there's an opportunity for them to play a lower seed and those lower seeds do have a springfield falcons um kind of lineup going on it's not set in stone quite yet that they'll see each other but that might be some troubling times for me and you, good sir, yeah. sitting here doing a hockey podcast. Yeah, well, I think, the, two, I, think you know.
1: I think the Thunderbirds are three points behind Charlotte, and I think they're down there to play two in a row. So, you know, they're in fourth, Charlotte's in third. So, um, no. and I, it, you know, I know that the playoffs for them are weird in that league, but I think if they want to get the three oh, seats so, so they can host a five game series, I think that's, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, no. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, so, so we got some, some numbers here for Providence.
0: Yeah. So the Providence Bruins, uh, as of right now, they have not played their game. It's coming up at one o'clock. They are currently down in Charlotte to play the checkers for two. And then obviously Springfield will come in and play them. Uh, but uh, Providence has a 38 wins, 14 losses, eight. Um, sorry, they're 38, 14, eight and two in 62 games played, 10 games remaining. They're in first place in the Atlantic Division, first place by one point in the Eastern Conference with th- 86 points. They're on a six-game winning streak and 7-3-0 you know, in the last 10. The Providence Bruins are 16-7, 5-2 at home, 22-7-3 and three on the road. Really good numbers. Um, goaltender Brandon Bussey has been outstanding, outstanding folks. If you guys do not have this guy up as one of your best prospects, your goaltending prospects, check yourself out of Bruins Nation immediately because this kid is absolutely the real deal. I'm telling you right now, it's not a hot take. It's actually fact. Uh, Georgian Mikulov has been playing unbelievable hockey down there, really facilitating the loss uh, when it comes uh, to uh, offensive capabilities for the team with the, uh, the lower body injury of Vinny Latari, who's having trouble getting back from his previous injury that knocked him out when he got the call up to the NHL and uh, got the uh, ankle injury uh, at practice at the warrior ice arena. Uh, but uh, Juna Kapanen, those guys have been playing good. Um, Samuel Asleen, Um, I'm sorry. I meant to say Fabian Lysel. Uh, He's been playing pretty good as well. These guys could all get thank you games towards the end of the season. But um, the Providence Bruins do lock up a a playoff position. And um, and things look uh, good as of right now. I do not like the playoff structure in the American Hockey League this year. I don't know why we continue to get all wacky about this. But a first-round playoff series of three games a second round and third round playoff series of five games. And the only AHL seven game series is in the final round. I don't understand that, Steve. I do understand. I mean, I kind of got it when they did a first. Remember a couple of years ago, excuse me, when they did the first round was a five game series, best of five. And then every round after that was seven. I don't understand why they're doing two rounds of five and one of three. It makes no yeah. sense.
1: Yeah, I, I, my only guess is, I, I are they letting more teams in? I mean, maybe they, they're saying, well, we're a developmental team, a league, and we want to get as many teams into the playoffs as we can. Yeah, I, I don't, or, or maybe they just can't afford it. That wouldn't make any sense either. Like, they just can't afford to keep the lights on for that many games. I don't know. Yeah, and They can't it's, afford it's the so- travel. I don't know.
0: It's it, I mean, that could that all of those could be a factor, but it's 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 very well known in the hockey community that, you know, if you're going to if you're a league that thrives on asses in the seats so that that's playoff revenue. You can go up a little bit on your tickets to make more money. You know, why not have the availability to have a best of, you know, a best of four out of seven game series throughout the whole playoffs? Because it opens up just those money revenue opportunities that we've all heard about that, you know, oh, Jacobs doesn't want to win a cup. He just wants to play off, you know, revenues. Right. You know, don't put the AHL in those type of situations. And it's a win-win. I just don't understand why. And I I, I guess I would have to really talk to a professional like Patrick Williams. And he's a great guy that covers the American Hockey League for NHL.com. Yeah, and, and the AHL.com. He's just a great guy to talk to. I'd have to send him a DM and ask why the playoff structure is like this. And then I'm going to have to do some information as well to see if the American Hockey League is going to do something different next year. Maybe this might be a stopgap for something different because of the Coachella team came in, uh, in out in the West. So that might be this is different because we brought in more teams, and then next year we kind of go back to what was more traditional.
1: Yeah. Well, let we just get Patrick on the show. I mean, that guy's fantastic.
0: I, I I do want He's to get not. him on the show. I
1: definitely do. You know, happen no, slow down. Happening to go through Springfield to do that. We should slow get down. Him on the show. Slow down. Let's <laughs> yeah. we'll see what you look like when you lose We're not losing any black aces because St. Louis isn't going anywhere. We <laughs> yeah, might get a couple. Shit. We might get a couple for crying out loud. <laughs> Jordan Kyrou's coming down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll take Sammy Blaze and Jordan Kyrou. Yeah, Bring right? them on. Yeah. Yeah, Bennington. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, thanks. I don't want that guy. Although I'm pissed at him, too, because he, he acted like a, a dweeb in that other game. And then they took Joel Hofer, and now we're not going to see him anymore, the goaltender, who's been fantastic for us this year. Uh, now he's up in St. Louis. We're, he's not coming oh, back. So
0: it's like. Hofer's been amazing down there. He kills the Providence ah, team all the time. Been That's been one really thing good. I'll give Springfield credit for is just the goaltending.
1: Yeah, he's been good. Um, so we do have, uh, looking at the time, we do have a couple of Discord questions. I know we went, we took the question from Adrian, um, and we do have a couple of uh, hashtag Ask and G questions. Although before that, um, one other thing that I wanted to touch on that you did put in the agenda is this ten year deal with Fanatics. Oh yeah. Oh God, what a pain in the ass that is. I I don't know about you, but I've had no luck at all with anything Fanatics. Um, I'm still trying to trying to beat the system to get hats and stuff by the game and 47 brand and pretty much everybody besides fanatics. Um, I I just imagine it's going to look like the NFL in the eighties where like, you know, jerseys are just falling apart. You know, numbers are just falling off, but what are your thoughts on, on fanatics now taking over the jerseys from Adidas moving forward? Uh, I mean, listening
0: to so many great podcasts out there that have been talking about this, it it just seems like such an inside job. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. Nike didn't want to even make a bid. Uh, I'm hearing some Nike officials have have been talking about um, hockey is so expensive. Uh, Nobody's buying jerseys. So they didn't even want it. Oh, is it too
1: expensive, Nike, for your, for your underage sweatshop, underage slaves that you got out there in China? It's too expensive. Exactly. But I
0: I think that they were talking about hockey as being so expensive that they wouldn't folks wouldn't buy jerseys to make them profitable. So they didn't even want to get involved in the game. So ultimately, they they moved their concentration to Fanatics and they got a 10 year deal. Um, I like Fanatics. I like Fanatics for certain things. I like it for Bruins office stuff. I like it for stuff like that. My my Stanley Cup banner, which is about to get 2023 on it. Um, I like other stuff, but what I don't like about fanatics is what I'm seeing from so many different people online. And I researched the videos. People are getting their jerseys, which are, are fully customized and so on, told they're stitched and blah blah blah, and they're still in the package when they open the box, and the numbers and letters are literally falling off. It almost like they went through the line where they got the iron to melt the glue to keep everything in place. And then they threw it in a package without proceeding to the next step, which was sewing those numbers and those nameplates on the back. Very, very discouraging uh, on the jersey sales. I will not buy any jerseys from Fanatics, but I do like other things from Fanatics, um, like some of the Bruins games, some of the... I am wearing a, a t-shirt right now. That's from fanatics. And I, I love these shirts. People freaking trash them all the time. I, this has got to be like three years old and the, and the, and the screen print is still good. You know? So there are some good things from fanatics and there are some bad things from fanatics. Yeah. Um, I don't know where people are going to go to get their jerseys for the next 10 years. Um, if you didn't like fanatics because they're cheap, um, you know, materials and so on. I think this is going to force a lot of people to go the other way and get cheaper, like Chinese knockoffs, which are even worse. They're even worse. So it's like, it's almost like national grid here in Massachusetts. We don't have another option to get our prices down and be competitive with other, uh, you know, um, you know, power industries. We're, We're stuck with a certain thing. And unfortunately it's not going to make a lot of people happy and, and the NHL might want to bite their lip on a 10-year deal. Jesus.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. And, I mean, it's like, do you want to spend $150 on something that's going to suck? Or do you want to just spend $200 on something that's going to last you for 30 years? Like, Yep. It's an investment. You know, I, I don't know. Buying a hockey jersey is like an, it's an investment, you know? And yeah, like- I do. I got to give a shout-out
0: to uh, Short Shift Podcast host um, uh, Thomas from, And he basically said he buys Fanatics jerseys because he goes out and plays street hockey with them. So he buys like a, a, a $75, $80 jersey and then just wears it outside and so on. So, you know, there's, there are some benefits to it and there, you know, I mean, if you want the ultimate, uh, you know, the, the uh, amazing authentic style, that's going to cost you two or $300 then absolutely go for it. But you, you, you're probably paying some,
1: uh, a lot of money for something you're probably going to be disappointed by. I mean, the, the jerseys that I have, and I'll be honest, it's, it's usually gifted, you know, like the Thunderbirds, for instance, they have me do all these Jersey auctions and then they'll say, well, you did five Jersey auctions, you know, pick one. We'll make you wake one for me. And so I have two or three of them and I don't think I've ever worn them out of the house. Cause I don't, Right. I don't want to, they're like beautiful. Like I'm going to just walk outside and fall face first in a puddle. Like I know it,
0: yep, you know, um, exactly. so I never
1: even wear them out, but um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're an investment. Yeah. I've, I've never had a good experience with fanatics Um things like 47 brand i've done really well with but i i don't i don't know most of the most of the shirts i wear are band shirts anyway like my steely dan shirt where it's uh Ah, nice like like the guys from peanuts so most of the stuff i wear is i buy off facebook ads anyways (laughs) so yeah so um so there's that all right so let's get um we have another question here from a discord member this is mf grant um MF grant asks uh, that they heard Bruins coach Montgomery mention emphasizing the offense and the fact that they haven't heard him uh, say much of that all season. Is that a push Mark? I kind of think it is. I think it's um, you know, we've been pumping
0: the the teams like the Buffalo Sabres for 14 goals in the past two games against that franchise. And you know, our goal differential is really high right now. It's a league best. At one seventeen, that's absolutely crazy. And the, the next, the next highest is Carolina with fifty fifty four. Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely nuts. So I I don't know where Montgomery was going with this MF Grant on the Discord, but it might be just something that he's just trying to like psychologically push, like, hey, we need more offense from you guys because the more offense we get from you and create more of a gap the the less we'll have to worry about the small mistakes or a puck off a skate that goes into our net, which happens a lot in the uh, in the postseason. Um they do say statistics say that more goals are scored in the on in the postseason off of deflections than regular shots in the you know, it's so yeah, it's crazy. Um but it just might be something to push them. Like we need, just need a little bit more in the playoffs, be prepared for what's going to come. And this just might be the coaching staff, just doing some you know psych work on them. Um, I don't see the offense being a concern with, with, the way that we're putting the puck in the net. I know the past couple of games, the two to ones and the, you know, this and that. Um, but I don't know. I, like I said, I hope, hopefully the power play, And the offensive capabilities like snap like a light switch when the postseason happens. And as of right now, as of right now, if the playoffs were going to start today, it looks like Pittsburgh might be that team. And I'll take that any day, all day for a first round matchup, a nice warm up. I will take Pittsburgh. Tristan, Jerry is probably not going to be in the lineup. I think he got injured. Is going to be out. So, but there's also folks out there that say Pittsburgh might not be a great matchup because you might truck them and not be prepared for the second round where you might see a team like Tampa Bay Lightning so there's a lot of you know conspiracy theories and so on going around um but yeah I I I don't think the offense is a huge issue I just think that he was just trying to you know possibly talk through the media to get to the guys just a little bit more you know in a in a conventional way not by the way Cassidy used to do it more conventional
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think the only way that really applies is the power play because it's a it's yeah. a hot mess. Um yeah. but five on five, there's just there's not much to complain about. But I mean again, this is what happens when you're this good. Um, you start nitpicking small things, you know, and that's because that's all there is to nitpick, which is something we've done for the last couple months. We're nitpicking oh, the small stuff because it, all the good the other the rest of it's rolling, you know what I for, mean.
0: For like for weeks we've been trying to figure find uh topics on the agenda to like we're like kind of go against the grain here, but it's so hard to do because this damn team is so freaking good.
1: They're rolling, I know. Um, so we do have a couple of hashtag askbng. And again, if you have any questions um or comments or things you want us to talk about or things you want to talk about, um you can hit us up on um on Twitter. Mark is at black and gold two seventy-seven. I am at PA voice four one three. Uh just not PA voicing with this crap bag voice I got right now, but that is what it is. <laughs> Um, and use the hashtag Ask B&G, and we'll talk about what you want to talk about right here in the show. And we have a couple of them, Mark.
0: Yeah, we do. We got one from Born Bruin. And also, I do want to mention, we do have a listener hotline as well, 978-504-2727. If you don't have time to type a hashtag Ask B&G, and you want to hear your voice uh, heard on this, this program, every week, call us 24-7 worldwide. Doesn't matter where you are, this line is open for all Bruins fans Keep it brief, and we'll get you on the program and answer your question as soon as possible. But our friend Ange up in Montreal, he is a Boston Bruins fan from the from the um, the enemy. Let me get rid of this banner real quick. He says, "Ask G Injuries still being a factor come playoff time. What kind of role do you see Greer, Lauco having? Platooning depending on the opposition, or will one have more definitive role?" Than the other be an extra.
1: What do you think, Steve? Well, I mean, I'm I'm I just I hate to say it, I don't mean to pick on the guy, but I'm kind of out on AJ Greer. Um I I would I would like to have Lauko in there if I had to choose between the two, I'll take Jacob Lauco. Um, I do think a lot of it depends on who you're playing. but I, I think that having a guy like Hathaway now in the lineup keeps you from having to say, well, we need that guy that just goes out here and punches people in the face. And so I think, I think Lauco from his time in Providence and not playing fourth line minutes, right. Playing big minutes, playing penalty kill, playing power play. I just think he has a lot more to offer. Um, But I also think that once Taylor Hall comes back and if you get Nick Felino back, you're not going to see either of them. So I think, I think what's going to happen is you're going to, they'll both just be up on the ninth floor kind of waiting. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I like the way
0: Laco's playing, but unfortunately, uh, particularly in the playoffs, it all depends on Nick Felino's health and how, uh, and how he comes back. If he's ready to come back, I think that the leadership and the, and being a veteran kind of makes him more of an asset in the playoffs because that's when I mean, he could be that Mark Recchi type of player that comes in and just, you know, might not put. And Mark Recchi was a great player when he was a Bruin as well. I'm not, I'm not downgrading his game, but he didn't put up like massive amounts of points. He did what he did when he needed to do. Um, and and I think that I think Felino's a type of veteran that would garner that like trust from the coach and says, listen, when you're ready to go, we're going to get you back in the lineup. That might be unfortunate for a player like uh Jacob Lauco who's young and still trying to capture the uh you know NHL consistency. Or and I am I'm I'm out like you with AJ Greer. Just by the unselfish, uh undisciplined uh action in the Montreal game, I I'm not sure if I want to see him again because you know I, I know it happened once, but you gotta control your emotions, you know. You gotta you gotta be the person that gets the penalties. Uh, not 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 gives them, like I said earlier, I just think that that was a very selfish move, in my opinion, regardless if the stick rode up or not. It was the action towards the, the head uh, that I didn't like at all, because you you just put the um, the Bruins in a vulnerable spot. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't we get uh, a shorthanded goal against us or was it a power play goal scored? Well, against yeah, us?
1: They, I think they scored in the power play that he was he was set uh, up because he got two, five and ten or two and ten, yeah. I think. in so, that game. So, yeah.
0: It was ridiculous. So yeah, I I don't, I, I, it's so hard to talk about Lauco and, and because the way he's playing normally, we always say this guy, this guy can't be taken out of the lineup the way he's playing. And this is the type of player that, yeah, I mean, he's playing very well, but it's just going to come down to the coaching staff saying, Hey, which, which one do we need? Do we need the young guy that's ferocious and trying to make a, you know, make a point for himself and, and show us that he can, he could be that guy or do we want that guy that has already done this for several freaking years and, and has been a veteran in the, in the, in the league forever.
1: So wouldn't it be kind nice, of my uh, line. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to, you know, you get a double overtime game where everybody's playing a ridiculous amount of minutes and then you're able to come back and throw Lauco in and take a guy like Felino out for a game. Who's, you know, could just use an extra day's rest. And while everybody else is exhausted, here comes Lauco. You know, bright eyed and bushy tailed, ready to go. You know, so I think that's, I think that's, it's great resource to have there. Um, we do have another hashtag askbng. Let's take a look at we that. We one. do, and, and it's from our
0: own, uh, Jim Swindells. And I'm, and I'm, I'm having computer problems here. I'm trying to get up the list of free agents. Um, but my iPad is just not cooperating. Uh, Jim Swindells, I really want to, uh, write an article about this. Um, so uh, I'm going to be doing that this week, and uh, I'll tag you in it with my thoughts. I really don't have any names right now on on who uh, some um, CHL free agents and NCAA free agents are coming, um, uh, who could be available for the Bruins to swoop down on, much like they did with Brandon Bussey last year out of um, Northern Michigan. Um, so I will write an article. I will tag you, my friend. I'm sorry for the, being unprepared, my just – this, my my um iMac is just not working, nor is my freaking iPad. So
1: uh, we will get back to you as soon as yeah. possible. Do you have it? Do you have any Steve at all? I mean, I I'm just I'm not familiar enough with it to be quite honest. I, I just am not. Uh, I usually don't know about these guys until they. I, I don't spend enough time watching the college game. Um, the only thing I'm really following is guys like Dominic Tiano who are telling us. Oh know, yeah, what. what Mason is awesome. doing and what Brett Harrison is doing and and our guys. I'm not not paying a ton of. I'll be honest. I probably won't watch much of the Frozen Four. It's just I don't. It's just not. Yeah, on my radar. I
0: watch. I will watch if Mason Lowry is involved and so on. Right. but Until until and then, I'm watching. No and fro- I'm watching
1: him. Not like. Right. Right. You know right. what I mean. But um um he's before. His-
0: before we wrap everything up, I do want to add one more thing because uh, this was an email and it was actually sent to us um, from a, a listener that listens all the time. But uh, he was uh, not discouraged, but kind of wanted to uh, uh, um, give us some, a, a little bit of more of a character about um, our friend Steve Levy, who we talked about um, on the ESPN broadcast um, not too long ago. I think we said that he was just kind of bland and really didn't have a lot of knowledge of hockey, um, and and this person Dan, I I I'm really bad at names. Dan Pat Pat, uh, it's P A T E N A U D E. I cannot say the name, but Dan, thank you for your email. But he he actually did a catering party for Steve Levy at his house. And uh, he had a Bruins hat on, and, and you know obviously walked up to the door and said, "Hey, we're here to do the catering party." And he's like, "You're not coming in my house with that Bruins hat on." It was actually a really funny story, and so on. He sent me a really lengthy email, but um, uh, before the party was uh was going to happen, and and this guy and his and his team got everything set up catering. Uh, Steve walked him around his house and brought him downstairs to where his uh, his collection was, and uh, Dan said that. Steve has a, a mass amount of knowledge about hockey which which doesn't transcribe on the uh, on a national performance like ESPN and so on on a nightly basis but when he was talking one on one with these people that were at his house he brought them downstairs to a room that was probably bigger than people's houses and and just all the jerseys the New York Rangers jerseys all of them it was like a museum down there and and Dan just wanted to reach out and just let us know that you know just uh um that that steve is a diehard hockey fan and so on but uh, you know he's just a, a serious collector and loves the game and, and he wanted to share his story with that and i appreciate dan reaching out via the email yeah. and and everything but uh yeah that was pretty cool um i i actually thought we were gonna get hammered on the email like oh you hate steve levy oh blah, blah. i'm like no but dan was very very uh calm and everything with it with his words and and uh, really loves the show, is a huge listener. So thank well, you very much, Dan, for for all the support on so many levels. And um, please reach out. Give us a call, 978 504 2727. If you want to get some audio on here, we'd love to hear anybody, not only Dan's voice as well. So,
1: yeah, my only quick Steve Levy story is when the Bruins decided to have a playoff game on Mother's Day last year. And it's pregame. And I'm, you know, I'm on the phone talking to my, I'm FaceTiming with my mother hi mom happy mother's day yep uh-huh uh-huh yep yeah oh yeah you know you talk to your mother and like five spots over is steve levy having the exact same conversation with his mother on his facetime <laughs> hi mom happy mother's uh, day yep uh-huh. that's funny. It's just, and we both hang up at the same time we're both just like whew, like <laughs> oh, that's exhausting you know um but it was funny but he he's always been um uh, a couple of times i've run into him at the garden he's been a good good dude Yeah. Class act. So, um, yeah, that's sort of uh, that's sort of about um, most of what we have today. We will say uh, this week again, we're recording on Sunday morning as we are sit here now. So uh, today at five o'clock Bruins are at Carolina. Another back to back with travel, of course. Um, Tuesday, uh, they host Nashville at seven o'clock. Thursday, they host Columbus, which is a built in win because Columbus doesn't even want to win. And then, uh, as Mark mentioned, Saturday at three o'clock at Pittsburgh, um, that's an ESPN game. That is the game uh, where you guys are going to be down at what's it, Funky Murphy's? Funky Murphy's Funky in Marlboro, Murphy's.
0: Massachusetts. Massachusetts, um, yeah. We got about thirty people attending. They got they're going to do the whole thing up, all Bruins in the uh, at the establishment. And we're going to have some food, drinks, and hang out with some
1: amazing Boston Bruins fans. And I can't wait to get down there and get things started. That's awesome. That's awesome. And again, if you want to attend, you certainly can. Um, you can check out Mark's, uh, Mark's social media. I believe we do have a link A link, uh, a link yeah, in the show notes. Yeah, In the show notes. So you can RSVP that way. Um, but it'd be nice if you RSVP so that we can let the, the people at Funky Murphy's know how many of you uh, rowdy ruffians are coming and they can hire <laughs> extra, hire extra security or whatever it is. They exactly. <laughs> whatever it is they need, but, um, but that should be a great event as well. And uh, we do, of course, want to, before we go, mention our Patreon campaign as well, uh, yeah. where people can help support us and support our show. Um, we, you know, Mark's always got some great giveaways. And uh, again, it helps keep keep the lights on and keep, keep B&G going. Absolutely. Uh, please go to patreon.com slash Podcast and donate just
0: $1 per episode. We do four to six episodes a month, so it's a real small investment to... Get some fantastic hand-signed items from either a current Bruins player or Boston Bruins alumni. And this month, we're not going to do it today. We're actually going to be doing a show on Thursday this week because we will be at Funky Murphy's on Saturday, and I'm staying in Marlboro, Massachusetts for Friday night, Saturday night, and leaving Sunday, so we don't have time to do a podcast next weekend. So on Thursday, we will be giving away this hand-signed, fully authenticated Terry O'Reilly, Jersey, and uh, yeah, big badass. This is the month of March, so it's it it, uh, it to honor the biggest Irish badass that Boston has ever seen. So if you want to get rid of all that Red Sox crap, Patriots crap, and Celtics crap, and black and gold your fan cave, please go to Patreon.com/slash Black uh, and Gold Hockey Podcast and donate just one dollar to get to be eligible for to win monthly hand signed prizes. Next month, I think we're giving away a Sean Thornton. And the month after that, it's going to be an Adam McQuaid hand-signed jersey. Nice. Lots of great things coming up. Uh, We're going to be doing this all year. So sign up and uh, help us out. And we truly appreciate always the financial supporters and everybody that does the downloads and obviously supports us through uh, our new title sponsor, FanDuel. So um, this was a fun,
1: fun episode, Steve. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, this was a good one. This is a good one. You want to be sick more often. I just, I'm sorry. I sound like absolute <laughs> ass. I... It's just, it's so frustrating. I lay in bed. I'm like, I got to get my voice back. What am I going to do? My career is over. <laughs> but um, no, we'll get there. And, um, you know, Mark, it's nice to know that your dad is feeling better. I don't yes. want to mention uh, today is uh, two years since I lost my father. So I'm uh, thinking about my dad today. Yeah. Who, again, talking about losing your best friend. There's nothing worse. It feels like it was yesterday. And it feels like I've been without him forever. But uh, that's... But- how it is so uh miss Thought, dad. thoughts
0: continue thoughts continue and, um, from everybody
1: at bng to you my friend and your I family appreciate it appreciate it so we're getting together with the fan today for a little celebration which will be good and uh, uh shout out to everybody out there all our listeners happy stay happy stay healthy take care of yourselves um thanks to our friends at fanduel fanduel.com slash boston again make sure that you are uh gambling responsibly and uh make sure that you uh at the same time put all your money on the Bruins to win Cause that's what usually happens. So, uh, right. if it doesn't work out, don't blame me, but, uh, this has been great. And, uh, again, Thursday, we'll, uh, we'll be back at it, Mark, and then we'll have that episode for you even earlier than, uh, than usual. So absolutely have a good one, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the black and gold hockey podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Pod at bng productions at black and gold 277 and at kevin underscore o'keefe 89 also please don't forget to check out our official black and gold Hockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide peace out